0: We'll be
1: Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. In this episode we're going to be talking folklore, the 5G conspiracy theory, and the effects that ghosts might have on the economy. If you'd like to support us during these troubled times, please check out our Patreon, where your coins could help us live marginally healthier lives, and in return perhaps improve the quality of the podcast in some unforeseen way. That's the pitch, that's for you to mull over. I'm recording this at 4.20am because that's how badly my sleeping is disordered at the moment. So I'm just going to let you enjoy the episode. Good night. I'm going a bit mad and I'm worried I'll go fully mad soon.
2: What's the metric of a bit mad? Where are you at now?
1: I don't think that what I'm currently experiencing in my life yeah. is similar enough to anything I've experienced in the past to go, you know, I'm at level two of 10. Okay, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean?
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: I feel a level of disquiet. I feel like I'm not centered or calm ever. Mm -hmm. And I worry that's getting more intense over time.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the general thing of being anxious, anxious about the world, anxious about your Uh existence in the world. But now you wake up and you're anxious. And why are you anxious? Oh, yes. The global pandemic and the reactionary government and the cops taking more and more powers. And then you go, oh, my anxiety has an empirical basis in reality. Like... I am anxious which is a logical reaction to what's happening. And then as soon as no, so that that that's thanks, getting me yeah. that's getting that's adding some spice to my uh, my but I'd brain. I'd say
1: that what you've described thanks to Marxism has been my lived experience for years.
2: Yes, true. Yeah, I mean same but heightened heightened by global viral outbreak.
1: The idea that my subconscious is worried about people dying is Mm. possibly true, but I can't seem to, like, access it. Do you know the experience of, like, knowing that you're sad and you know there's something on your mind and you're like, okay, so I actually just need to, like, do the house cleaning on this and I need to, like, Mm -hmm. think about it, grief or whatever it is, have a Mm -hmm. cry if that's Mm -hmm. what I need, and Mm -hmm. then I'll start recovering because clearly there's a blockage here in the pipes I need
2: to
1: iron out. But the idea that I'm supposed to, like, sit and think about the thousands of people what you mean that's, that's like imagining the size of the universe it's mm-hmm. not possible for me to adequately just pass that in my own brain have, mm-hmm. a, have a cry <laughs> or, yeah have a have a cry for all the people that are dying have died are yeah. dying and are about to will die, die. yeah yeah it a, doesn't and then if you told me like future, yeah i've already made my peace with this so <laughs> 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 i'm fine I've, I've aligned my chakras you do as thou wilt
2: Yeah, there's no way out. I guess that was the same before. It's definitely heightened.
1: Have you ever done any um, meditation or...? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah?
2: I've really tried to do that, but I'm not very good at it. My experience of a lot of it is they've really pushed mindfulness as like a stress management tactic technique in like staff training. I absolutely hate that. It's like, right, well, we're not going to do anything to make your work less stressful and now we're going to put the responsibility for managing the stress that we have caused onto you as individuals. And then we can tick off. We can say, look, we managed their stress because we gave them mindfulness training. Tick. Actually, it's on them.
1: I read a thing that suggests you can overdose on mindfulness and it causes you disassociation problems.
2: Yeah, mindfulness. I mean, it's all different. Everyone's mind's different, but it can truly fuck you up. It can make your anxiety and stress worse. It's not going to have a universal impact on everyone you're prescribing something that could mess people up and it is a way to hand wave away actually dealing with overwork unrealistic expectations of staff in a workplace and it's rife. The two stages of the appropriation of Eastern philosophy by the West and then the second stage of appropriation of that philosophy in service of capital.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not truly appropriated (laughs) from another culture before we've learned how it can be used inside an office.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: There's the application of it within like neoliberalism to make sure that it can hype people's productivity. But Mm. I also think like if there is any like religious opium of the people kind of thing now, it's not Mm. organized religion. I think it's Mm. like consumerist shamanism.
2: Yeah. Like I think I know a lot of people,
1: especially through the arts, I've learned a lot of people who are like of a certain middle class cultural background Mm. where they feel a lot of the same alienation that I do. But they always interpret it as some sort of misalignment of energies.
0: <laughs> and
1: so they'll go to like a gong bath or a shaman and that's their method for dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of that stuff quite funny and also way more widespread. I remember I was like talking to someone yeah. at a house party. Do you remember them?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's and, a house party every day now. And we and can't i can't And they were the talking
1: house. about like quack science yeah I was, science. To, I was trying to like talk Swan about science. a distinction between something that was like genuine and something that was a bit weird and I'm saying yeah. it's not like Reiki or anything where it's just like magic uh-huh. energies uh-huh. It's, it's it's rooted in this kind of research mm. uh, and then someone went oh you're talking about Reiki I love Reiki and I'm like mm. oh no no, oh I'm no. in mean, one of these co- it's like a complete mirror image of like when I was a teenage new atheist but yeah. <laughs> except this time, I don't want to bother anyone I don't, I don't want to be annoyed I want to be polite I just want to I'm just waiting for the next portion of tzatziki to around i'm just trying to fit in
2: (laughs) i've had someone at a house party do the thing where they tried to do an energy orb up my arm they got me to put my arm out pulling my hand toward them and then they had a hand either side of my own hand almost doing like a hadouken kind of but real slow and nice (laughs) it's nice slow hadouken wafting their hands in and out from my hand up my arm going like oh can you feel that can you feel like can you feel that energy I'm like, what is going, like, do you think you're a Jedi? What's happening? But again, at that point, I had myself transcended annoying atheist fedora instinct of going, yeah, "Yeah, actually, you know, this is bullshit. This is wrong, and I must oppose you. Yeah, this is wrong. You must be defeated. You are my enemy. And like, so it sort of just politely went along with it because I didn't want to make the atmosphere of a party weird of going like, oh, this thing that you're enthusiastically doing could potentially be fun is actually completely fucking delusional.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and now I'm absolutely like fine for people to have benign false beliefs. If I, they're truly benign, then do we like?
2: And also remember that yeah, yeah, you said opium of the masses before. When Marx wrote that, opium was the most widely used painkiller. It was essentially paracetamol, right? So when he's saying opium of the masses, he doesn't mean like heroin, he doesn't mean like highly addictive drug that's like distracting from everything else. He's basically saying people are in pain and religion serves as not a cure for the cause of that pain, but a way to reduce that pain that is an option that's there for people. That's what he meant when he said that. Yeah,
1: and I Um, think that's still serving by shamanism, yeah. Because people do feel a lot better, and I think Mm. earmarking any time in your life to focus on your own well-being is going to help you regardless Mm. of what your methodology is. Yeah. Um, I guess everything I think that is harmful is like, there'll be people who come around the pubs and they'll like, try and do talking to ghosts for you or past life regression for you. Yeah, and they're yeah, those yeah, guys, I think, are just yeah, grifters. Yeah, yeah. Especially when yeah. they're like I putting you like in touch that. with dead relatives.
2: Better showmanship, though. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a better show. To do it.
2: Yeah. There's more of a storyline.
1: <laughs> you know, I take the coach everywhere. Yeah. So I once did past life regression on the Megabus.
2: Best place for it.
1: These all these sleep meditation apps.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: And I was thinking, I bet you can find more fringe ones. So I wanted to find out is there a, like hypnosis? past life regression yeah. one yeah yeah because yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. nice one past life regression has the same feeling as like a buzzfeed quiz like yeah. who was i what <laughs> let's yeah, just yeah, find yeah. out this bit of trivia about myself i did it and i was like let's see i don't know if i'm even susceptible to this kind of thing it could just be boring hmm. and i went under <gasps> I, I, yeah
0: what were you i i, I, what I knew past i'd be life?
1: <laughs> well kind of nothing i yeah. was some sort of my guess is slavic peasant Although I didn't oh, so human. myself as you're a human. Oh, do people past life regress as animals? <laughs> yeah. Brings that on the cards.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think you can unlock that.
1: What your soul I guess I mean there are what is it, Buddhism, different yeah, strains yeah, of Buddhism yeah, where yeah, you can yeah. be an animal. Yeah, so I was just like a Slavic peasant and I wouldn't be able to tell you anything like if you were to ask me where do you live, I'm just mm. I'll just point if you tell me, like, well, what, who's the king? I'm like, <laughs> I can tell you how to grow a potato. What do you want from me? What year is it? What the fuck? I can't read and write. <laughs> what do you want? So I came away with no context about who yeah, I was, yeah. but I, I, I was dressed like shit and I was probably going to die soon.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> Worrying about bandits.
1: No, I lived in the townstead. I wasn't okay. I wasn't going to raid the townstead. I'm not a okay, okay. traveller. I'm not going to go yeah, off yeah, in yeah. there. On a quest. Yeah.
2: How often do you think peasants, like actual peasants, got tempted to go on a quest?
1: You're saying quest with all the connotation that it holds for us. But for them, it would be,
2: it would be an errand. <laughs> Did you know I mean... No, I mean a qu- quest. A quest is when in
1: the back of your mind you believe, oh, that beggar in the woods could have actually been Merlin. But- <laughs> If you're not primed to think like that, you're like, I'm just doing a menial errand, yeah. traveling to the next town over, delivering yeah. a sealed letter yeah. for one of the villains. <laughs> I'm not really expecting much to come out of this. I might get a coin. Yeah, I think a lot of the time you would just not want to do it, and it would not lead to like long illustrious tales of grandeur. I just you are sent because you are expendable to the bandits.
2: Yeah, the only quest you could go on is a literal fetch quest.
1: Yeah, deliver this and then attempt to return home safely.
2: Very, very low level questing.
1: What is, if any, the like the maddest supernatural belief you've ever had? Maybe as a child, have you ever believed anything mm. that you now consider to be mad? I definitely. You never had have. a religious upbringing, did you?
2: No. That no. opens
1: the door. <laughs> if you grow up religious, it really opens up the door for a lot of other fringe beliefs because you are allowed to believe in the supernatural in the first place.
2: I think I deluded myself that Star Trek could happen.
1: That's a belief about the future. I think... Like, I believe that Star Trek could, but probably won't happen.
2: I think maybe I considered we were in The Matrix when that came out. Yeah. I These feel like normal. These mind. are things
1: that I currently believe. You're <laughs> the maddest thing that you've ever believed to things so. that I think like, legit.
2: i tell you what. I don't believe in ghosts, but a good horror movie makes me scared for days. <laughs> like you're so normal although it's not I don't I still didn't believe well that's even more crazy right because I'm I'm, 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 I be- I'm talking I-
1: to you as someone who consciously believed in ghosts and was that's scared right, okay. by them okay like I've believed yeah. everything as a teenager because I only became an atheist when I was like 18 ah a convert yeah, yeah, so yeah. I had loads of time of being like, and long before I gave up theism of a sort, mm, mm-hmm. I just believed that maybe Catholicism was not the one I believed in. Yeah, yeah. So I just journeyed around everything before I finally got to like, nah, none of them.
2: Full consumer, consumer looking at the shelves. Oh, so you, you believe in ghosts. Can you give me any examples of how that informed your behavior and like life decisions?
1: Uh, um, like, I need to, like, set the scene of, like, okay. I'm from an Irish Catholic family and community. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I'm looking at, I don't believe, in, like, fairies. Yeah, so, yeah, So, yeah. you know, you've got to count your blessings. <laughs> <laughs> you my family comes from this old town, and the town has these, like, ghost stories that are mm. handed down. And, you know, and, like, I remember hearing one of them as, like, like my great uncle got caught in a fairy circle. <gasps> you know about this? Did he get out? I think the fairy circle trapped him in a field. And and, the, and it because he'd walked through it, you're not supposed to walk through a fairy circle. Yeah. And because he'd walked through it, it trapped him in the field and removed the gate from the field so that the field was just tall hedges and every side and he couldn't get out. Did he have a phone? Like, was it again, it's it? one of those of being like, so where was my uncle coming from and where was he going to? Yeah. It's like he was coming home from the pub at night. Right.
2: Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like liar, yeah. the
1: stories have these <laughs> holes in them. Yeah. But they also, like, the relative, like, which is, like, two generations older than me that was telling me this, believed it unswervingly as evidence of fairies. There's no, it it is a faith-based thing. Folklore is as faith-based as anything else. Right. Yeah. So just believing in ghosts is, like, I got off lucky with that, I think.
2: The security guy in my work well believes in ghosts, and he reckons his dad picked up a ghost in his taxi.
1: Did he charge it?
2: oh wait let me let me think what the story is (laughs) so this guy was driving along like is that a valid (laughs) fare so (laughs) he picks someone up who is in the middle of snake pass or something like some road across the hills you know they hadn't been called to this place this is in like the late 80s they pick the person up and then they drive them a few miles to their home they drop them off the person leaves their jacket in the car the next day, this security guy at my works, dad, goes back because he notices there's this coat and he drives back to the house. The woman answers the door, oh, I think I dropped your uh, your door off last night. They left their coat in the car. Their daughter has been missing for 20 years and that is her coat, but they haven't seen her for two decades. The reverence and sincerity with which security guy at my work told me the yeah. story. It was such that I could not respond to it yeah. with disbelief. I could ask little questions for more like flavour <laughs> and, and what I didn't ask was, yeah, how much was the fare?
1: Yeah, that's like my first question. Like, <laughs> can, you make, can you make money off of ghosts? <laughs> yeah. Economics is based on the idea that this is the closed system. Mm. But if a ghost can give you money, then that is like money from the past that has now entered the economy. Yeah. Ghosts I mean, being able to pay for all, things I like mean,
2: ruin... We can't accept ghost currency that isn't current. So, you know, if they've got an old round pound or something... They yeah, can't be giving so. you that. So really only it's quite recent ghosts who can be paying for stuff.
1: And well, I think there's a Goldilocks zone that's actually bad. Money that has been removed from circulation within the last hundred years. Ah, but like but a you Roman... Before okay, that, yeah, yeah, it yeah. becomes treasure. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. be picking people up that are dressed as centurions.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you're going to get treasure. That's a Treasure good or
1: pocket change. Those are, like, your options as a taxi driver who exclusively wants to pick up
2: ghosts. (laughs) Just driving around the Peak District at 3am.
1: But, I mean, surely it's illegal to take money off ghosts.
2: I think it'd be an absolute nightmare on your self-assessment form.
1: Yeah, well... no, No, because you... You just need to res- send an invoice and have an invoice on your end. And the yeah. fact that money came in is proof that that transaction, it would be difficult for the ghost if the ghost was ever audited.
2: Yeah, but is the, is the money they give you going to be material, right? So if a ghost reaches into his pocket and pulls out a little bronze coin with Caesar on it, is that not going to be ghostly? So, you know, if they try to put it in your hand, will it not, like, just fall through your hand?
1: Well, did the ghost sit on the back seat or did it just fall back into the pavement? We're, we're, the story is always
2: Yeah, exactly. Ghost physics is problematic. If the
1: ghost opened the door, then I'm happy that that coin is a coin.
2: But is it not a ghost coin? So say that ghost died. Say that ghost died and it died with, like, a purse of coins on it. Yeah, then someone digs up, someone metal detects those coins, finds them. Those those coins still exist somewhere. Oh,
1: double coins. Double yeah, coin.
2: I, double coin. Because so
1: yeah. it's not a zombie. It hasn't come out of the ground again yes, with its coins.
2: Yes. Double zombies, coins. I will accept the currency of zombies. That's going to be just the coins. That's the, just a coin. That's just a coin. It's not even a zombie coin. It's just the coin that happens to be upon the zombie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas a ghost coin, I don't think that's going to be real never mind it's not an issue not a legal issue of whether you can accept it or not it's an issue of will you even be able to grasp it in your palm
1: so I'm already thinking beyond that because I think we're, we've got problems with inflation here if we accept these
2: yeah big time
1: because if we're putting this ghost's coin he's given the taxi driver mm. then then that taxi driver uses it to buy some crisps but then later a metal detector finds the non-ghost version of the same coin Yeah. all the lost money re-enters mm-hmm. at random mm-hmm. times
2: mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. duplicates mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we found a loophole here this is like where that guy from From the Federal Reserve is talking about, oh, we don't actually print the money; we just change the number on a screen.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, we had to move off of the gold standard and move into fiat currency because because of of all these
2: bloody ghosts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's the only explanation. Quantitative easing—what are we easing? The sorrow of fallen spirits. But maybe you just have to restrict it so ghosts can only buy and sell things with other ghosts ghost market What segregation well it's ghosts isn't it I'm happy with segregation <laughs> <ghosts>. are
1: <laughs> well, you going to be like well, they're just fucking ghosts because yeah, yeah, that's how their all lie. segregated that's,
2: that's how the privileged all listen mate I'm a seg- ghost bigot just- I'm well, a let ghost let bigot ghosts yeah, life- they're not
1: supremacists they're not like us (laughs) haven't they
2: suffered enough you know the Ku Klux Klan dress in their pointy white hats because they're supposed to be the ghosts of fallen confederate soldiers
1: because it comes up time and time again that if anyone makes the traditional DIY sheet ghost costume Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it doesn't look good it Mm. has been sullied
2: (laughs) yeah because that is what the KKK costume is I didn't know that for ages either and then because initially I was just like what is this I get white white. supremacy so they're wearing a white thing that's what I thought it was Mm. but no no they're ghosts And the burning of the cross thing, they only started doing that after Birth of a Nation. The the director came up up with it and was like, oh, that looks cool. Put it in. And then the real KKK started doing it. Birth of a Nation. And there's so many weird things about it. So for example, super, super racist film. And one of the many, many layers of its horrible racism is they didn't have any black actors in it. So all the black people in Birth of a Nation are played by blacked up white people. It was huge. It was like the first blockbuster. Woodrow Wilson had a private screening in the White House. Wow! Yeah, it was absolutely huge. And the KKK had like faded away. And when this movie came out, yeah, they just came back. Yeah, boosted tens of thousands of more new members. Bleak. Yeah.
1: You know, if we're talking about weird beliefs, the reason that folklore style supernatural beliefs have dropped off is Mm. that now conspiracy theories completely fill that void. We don't need to believe in like fairies or werewolves or whatever, because the same people who gather around a campfire and talk about ghosts are now talking entirely about 5G.
2: Yeah. Burning down towers in Birmingham.
1: And I feel like it has that folk vibe to it. It has to pass Mm -hmm, through, mm. like, traditional oral methods. You can't put it up on Google because they'll get you. So the campfire or the the tavern is now just the WhatsApp group.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so if you... Encrypted tavern.
1: So, like, the bards of... (laughs) the bards and traveling storytellers of our generation it is the security guard who goes yeah do you know what they're doing with 5g now or it's like the people on reddit who are like archiving this oral history and that's what it is that's an oral history of our culture is what we thought was trying to kill us through uh secretive means my god do you know about um why why double glazing was introduced
2: to stop 3g i don't
1: Double glazing is a surveillance state technique.
0: What? What? What?
1: Because if I'm checking for bugs- I've never heard this. If I'm checking for bugs, I can't check in the window. What? what? (laughs) That's one of them. That's an old one, though. I heard that over 10 years ago.
2: That's incredible. How out of hand do you think the 5G renegades could get?
1: Digging them up. Digging up all the cables.
2: Who do you think is more of a danger? The 5G cable digger uppers or note-leaving vigilantes?
1: Note leaving people are too inherently cowardly. When you when you've left a note, it shows that you'll never intervene. <laughs> yeah, like the post it is like the weapon of someone who will never cause physical harm.
2: But they'll cause physical harm by phoning the cops. Five G, the cops ain't going to dig up that cable. You got to get yourself a shovel. You got to go down Wix if it's open. Yeah, get, I get associate the harm
1: of the cops just with the cops. Someone's called them, sure, but like with the 5G, you don't need the interference of the state for them to dig up your street and ruin your water, ruin your pipes, and maybe fight people who try to stop them digging
2: a massive hole. True, true. The the 5G digger-upper, I'm not saying they're not a mad lad, but... Doris, who thinks you're not an essential worker because she doesn't like your tracksuit or whatever, if she dobs you into the cops and then ruins your day because the cops are coming knocking, there's like seven of them outside your door bickering with you.
1: Sure, and then you can't compete. She's still a wrong You, one. you can't compete with the power of the state, so th- what they've done is more violent than someone just running around with a shovel. But then I think if that's the lines we're working on, it opens us up to the genuine reality, which is that the worst conspiracy theory and the most dangerous conspiracy theory is just... Trust and belief in the state.
2: <laughs> yeah, the true fairy tale of our age is that cops act in good faith yeah. and are here to help.
1: Because that probably like takes more lives than, Eddie, than like, it takes more lives than the people who recommend eating poison to cure corona. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have, have
1: you heard about the colloidal silver? No. The colloidal silver. Well, I shouldn't have said the. Colloidal silver is a substance, like water. Right. I shouldn't
2: have said the. It, but no, the I still don't know what it is even without the, the Well,
1: let me explain. So colloidal silver is a colloid. And a, I think a colloid is just, it's a mixture, but it doesn't involve dissolving. It's just when something's been mixed mm-hmm. through. Okay. Because milk is a colloid. Because butterfat is like dispersed through water. That's what milk yeah. is. It's just butterfat. Yeah. And colloidal silver is a similar thing, but what we have dispersed through our mixture is silver. And there was kind of a...
2: Oh, is this when rich people put silver in their blood to make them more powerful? Because it's silver, um, as well as being really good against lichen throats, it gets rid of disease or whatever.
1: Yeah. Silver kills a lot are? of disease. So so there was a belief that if you flush yourself with silver, it will boost your immune system. It's an American right libertarian response to mm-hmm. healthcare. Werewolves. Right? Right, okay. Because yeah. if I would never have any Medicaid, I'd never have any health insurance, I don't want any reliance on anything else for my healthcare, the best thing I can do is insulate myself against any disease and become this absolute immune being that kills. I all never need to go
2: to a doctor if a quarter of my blood is silver. You've
1: got it. You've got it, yeah. Yeah, but the problem with it is
2: <laughs> the problem. <laughs>
1: well, okay, so it makes you ill. Ah. But it turns you. It turns you bright blue. Huh? <laughs> it it turns you bright blue. It's dispersed so much in your blood. You don't turn silver, you turn blue. blue? You, look, you look like Beast from the X Men.
2: Oh my god.
1: You are blue. Your hair isn't blue. But that creates a really nice contrast between the blue and like normal hair colour.
2: Can you take so much of it that you become chrome, like the silver server from Fantastic Four?
1: You definitely die before then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about you have blue patches or it's like vitiligo blue flavour. It's it, like
2: even all over. Your big toe is, is the same as your nose.
1: even perfect blue. Mm. And there was a conspiracy theory and I don't think it's true.
2: Oh! Does Donald Trump have it and that's why he's orange? He's, he's blue because <laughs> he's, he's full of silver.
1: for the slightly blue pallor of his skin. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God! Because his over exaggerated orangeness is really strange yeah. and doesn't make him Yeah, look it's really good. weird. But yeah. what what if you were thinking about like a cost risk analysis of this is better than if I looked blue and I yeah. had to explain yeah, that? Yeah, I blue blue looks more metal.
2: evil. And orange yeah. is on the opposite on the colour wheel to blue. It's so a that's warm what colour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Because you can imagine him being a right libertarian. Oh yeah, and just moving in those circles.
2: He's moving. He's reading that content. I mean, early doors in his you know twenty sixteen campaign, he was on Infowars, wasn't he?
1: Right. Oh, and Infowars is like take supplements, take yeah. the pills that we are selling you, Paul Joseph Watson. The, the, map British boy. the basement mat boy. He was really helping popularize soy boy in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, idea yeah. that if you eat soy in any way, you're like destroying your essential masculine energy. Yeah. But he was also having to push the InfoWars product line, which is <laughs> supplements all cut with soybean. <laughs> they're all, cut, they're full of soy.
2: <laughs> Don't rich people get transplants of children's blood as well? I don't know this for sure. I'm kind of guessing. I I reckon there's like an idea that young blood has like greater potency. So every couple of months, Elon Musk or whoever, you know, that kind of of character, Richard Branson, they go to like a clinic, some kind of umbrella ink clinic and get some feisty 12 year old boy's blood pumped into him. And then presumably their blood they're not using goes back into 12-year-old boy, so that, that boy ages. It's like a full
1: hydrogen cycle.
2: Yeah, yeah, full hydrogen. You don't waste it. And then uh, that's what all the celebrities are doing. when They're, rec- they're recording their Imagine video because they don't want to find us finding out that they're all getting pumped full of children with blood. That's why Paul Rudd looks 28.
1: So we, we've like like sort of slowly old. transitioned from mocking conspiracy theorists to just because we're an alternative conspiracy theory platform.
2: Yeah, yeah, to creating a, a new one. I and, don't I think don't, children's I
1: don't, blood would be good for you. You'd like get a massive sugar rush. like It's full of sunny delight and like skills and stuff. <laughs> you'd have it and you'd go into hyperglycemic shock.
2: No, it's like a healthy young boy called Toby who's fed organic food. Oh, and and they've given like a certain
1: amount of room to roam. Yeah,
2: yeah, And they're kept apart so they don't
1: start biting the beaks of the other children.
2: Paul Rudd like chugs down a fucking chalice of this blood and that is how he's able to maintain his youth. The rich are definitely getting young people's blood transplanted into him.
1: And you can believe that. I can't stop you. But I don't know why I would believe it based on, I don't even know what it's based on, just you've told me. Based on me coming
2: up with it five minutes ago. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't know it's true Sean but I feel like it is ah, I,
1: feel like- I thought you'd like heard it on a grapevine
2: I've made it up and, and yeah it's funny this is it?
1: strange and genuinely true now yeah. that I know it is definitely not true somehow that makes it okay for me to not only believe it but to spread it <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's get it on the whatsapp yeah. text mum
1: I'm getting on reddit right after this
0: yeah
1: <laughs> If I get on Reddit after this, people have heard about it through other means before the podcast comes out.
2: (laughs) Legitimacy. Done.
1: Yeah, people are like, this is old news. God, these guys need to catch up.
2: Yeah, I can't believe Jack's claiming he came up with the Youngblood conspiracy. (laughs) Did you know the whole 5G conspiracy theory started
1: with just one guy? It's just one guy in a 10-minute YouTube video. It's a clip that's set up like it's a little addendum to like a longer talk that he's given where he just decides he's gonna talk about the coronavirus now because he's got some extra time. He's in what could plausibly be an academic building, but the shot is really tight on him and the whiteboard. So I suspect that's been done to hide where he actually is, like a garage or the staff area of a KFC. I don't know its origins beyond its depicting a talk done by Dr. Thomas Cowan and that it was initially published to Facebook by an anti-vaccination organisation called Parents for Healthcare Rights. So right from the off, there is a direct link between the belief that 5G gives you coronavirus and vaccines give children autism. There's actually a lot more theory behind this whole thing than I ever thought. So firstly, viruses apparently are not infectious materials that need to transfer from one organism to another to reproduce more of themselves using your cells. Instead, viruses are jettisoned matter that clog up our insides and cause the majority of the complications that we want to treat. But they are just the symptom, they're not the cause. The real cause is that our body is being poisoned by some external source. So what is that external source? That would be the electrification of the Earth. With the progress of technology, the Earth has become more electrified. And with each advancement of this electrification, new pandemics have been unleashed upon the globe. In 1916, radio waves were developed for widespread use. In 1918, we had the Spanish flu outbreak, which was the worst pandemic in human history, infecting a third of the world population with an estimated mortality rate of around 50 million. Those stats are true, by the way. That's that's me adding flavour there. In 2003, 3G was developed. Also in 2003, there was the SARS outbreak. In 2009, 4G was introduced. Also in 2009, we had the swine flu outbreak. In 2019, 5G was introduced. Also in 2019, we had the coronavirus outbreak. So that's the crux of it. With each advancement of radio technology, humans get poisoned, and that looks to an unskilled eye like some kind of viral transferable infection. And while it's not clear, it sounds a lot like what you or I think of viruses is a myth. People cannot infect one another. Everything is simply caused by the 5G going into us and poisoning our cells. So, I want to make one thing clear. I am not a scientist, but I do feel like you could make some reasoned pop shots at this theory using just the contents of your brain and a little bit of Googling. So, several times Thomas Cowan likens the coronavirus pandemic as like aquatic animals living in poisoned water. But a dolphin or a frog swimming through poison will not adapt to living in poisonous conditions. They will just be poisoned and they will die. So why do pandemics die down after a while? Why did the Spanish flu stop even though radio waves only became increasingly widespread? Are we supposed to have adapted or evolved to negotiate living in poison? If it's not infectious, then why were cases localised to specific areas rather than occurring simultaneously across all 5G connected locations? Why did it start in Wuhan and slowly spread to other areas with geographical and transport links to Wuhan? If 5G is like a poison that spreads through the air using telephone masts, it should be incredibly easy to do a case study tracing corona incidents to the 5G masts. In 1954, during the Broad Street cholera outbreak, there was still a widespread belief that diseases were caused by miasma, which is Latin for mucky air. But a physician called John Snow proposed that it was actually being spread by contaminated water and proved this by doing a study linking who got sick with cholera to which communal water pump they got their household water from If you realise everyone who's getting sick drinks from the same horrible brown water and the next neighbourhood over where people are still ill because it's a 19th century London but they don't have cholera specifically and they're drinking from sparkling clear water seems pretty natural to put those two things together and this was a foundational event in the science of epidemiology and helped push the germ theory of disease to prominence in western medicine so if you really wanted to prove the 5g conspiracy theory true all you would need to do is just copy this guy's methods from a century and a half ago who is getting sick and are they exposed to 5g are the places where people are getting ill places that have higher amounts of 5g But I mean, the reason no one's pushing in that direction, and no one's attempting to author that kind of study, is because it wouldn't prove them right. Can you trace the outbreak to 5G coverage? No, only 40 countries even have 5G, but over 200 countries have confirmed cases of coronavirus, including even really poor countries like Niger, that barely even have 4G. And a lot of the supporting information doesn't really add up. So it is true that radio waves were developed for widespread use before the Spanish flu. But the first actual radio station broadcasting radio waves into public houses was long after the pandemic started. In 2002, SARS originated in China. But the Chinese didn't actually license their nation's telecoms company to roll out 3G until after 2005. So what's going on? Who's this guy and what does he want? What's what's this all in aid of? In 2016, Thomas Cowan had his medical license suspended for letting his wife treat his patients. In the same year, he released a book called Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, which states that the heart is not a pump, but a sacred vortex. Heart disease is not about plaque, but is caused by a lack of human touch and sunlight. The top editorial review for this book is by Dr. Joseph Merkeler, whose fringe medical organization has promoted that mobile phones cause cancer and that AIDS is a mental health problem. In 2017, Thomas Cowan had his license to practice medicine revoked permanently for gross negligence after prescribing experimental drugs to patients without telling them they weren't approved for general use. In 2009, his book Cancer and the New Biology of Water claims you can cure cancer with water. So. We're not talking about just a wacky pseudoscience guy who's found his way onto YouTube. We're talking an arch-drifter from the heart of the medical pseudoscience industrial complex, aided and abetted by an anti-vax pressure group, Parents for Healthcare Rights, who actively campaign for public donations. There has been a dramatic and quantum leap in the last six months for the electrification of the Earth. And I'm sure a lot of you know what that is. It's called 5G. I do feel like I stand by the idea that conspiracy theories exist on the same spectrum as folktales. You combine scepticism of authority with a lack of information and the human desire to understand, and it will force your brain into some weird shapes. Previously, those shapes were ghosts, and Draculas, and dragons, and so on. And now they're special brain pills, flying saucers, secret mind rays. It doesn't feel that different. And who knows, if our civilization survives, instead of a culture like ours that looks back on swords and wizards as the basic elements of our fantasy fiction, harkening back to a simpler, more rustic life, Maybe the Lord of the Rings of the Future will be set in modern-day Birmingham city centre and see a fellowship of WhatsApp-connected strangers combine forces to burn the very device that powers their means to communicate with each other. Actually, I wrote that as a joke, but that sounds really good. I would lap that up. I never want to come down too hard on conspiracy theorists, because being on the left, I do feel some kinship. I believe stuff that others will disregard as mad like colonialism, climate change, the military-industrial complex, the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. But the problem with conspiracy theories is that they never move an iota beyond paranoia. There's no unified theory of what's going on, it's just a lot of floating ideas that whirl around the bowl together. What happens after you've burned the mass down? The ideas never remain fixed either. Thomas Cowan gets us going on this one conception of what's going on, but then further down the line, someone else on Facebook sharing a different video, and now the coronavirus magics all the oxygen out of your lungs so you suffocate instantly.
2: 5G is absorbing the oxygen and then your haemoglobin can't take up the oxygen. So how long do you think it's going to take the human body to fall over because it suddenly cannot take up oxygen into the cells. Every cell in the body needs oxygen. It's not going to take very long. It's probably no. not even going to take a minute. No. It's going to take seconds.
1: It's hard to build anything when nothing is static. And that's for the best because I can't really imagine that 5G truthers would become anything other than a street intimidation group. Nothing is clear beyond anger and mistrust. And instead of emancipating themselves, they just fall prey to the conspiracy grifters, the people who sell you the truth via late-night radio stations, YouTube TV shows, and even on podcasts if you can imagine such a thing. You can find our Patreon linked in the show notes below.
2: You know when they turn this on, it's going to kill everyone, and that's why they're building the hospitals.
0: Yeah, but How do you feel?
2: Do you have children? No, no, but young. Do you have parents?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, how do you feel that when you when they turn that switch on, bye bye, mama? Are you are you content to continue doing that job? Are they paying you well enough to kill her? You just admitted that you're laying five G, so that's basically why we're all inside while you've got free reign of London. No? Everybody's five G. Well, everyone will be dead. So who's going to be playing on the internet and who's going to be on their playstations?
1: And lastly. They've subordinated their anti-authoritarian scepticism to a desire to live in an implausible sci-fi thriller. Do governments sometimes commit premeditated social murder? Absolutely but they do it with the police and with bureaucracy. There's no need to invent a magic death beam when like, it's on record that our government have made decisions to kill people internationally and internationally based on their own interests. But these people aren't up in arms about that. They've chosen instead to place themselves inside a Hollywood blockbuster, where they're the plucky protagonist caught in a web of corruption that only they and a bunch of wily middle-aged mums in a Facebook group can finally resolve. It does seem to be a problem that a lie can make its way around the world at speeds never before seen but I nevertheless remain sceptical of fact-checking as our way out of it. The solution to fake news isn't going to give YouTube and Facebook the power to police reality for us, because then we really will end up with a censorship crisis above and beyond me calling Jonathan Pye a div on Club Penguin. As an experiment, I began contemplating looking into how easy it would be to spread your own rumours and conspiracy theories. Could I, for instance, convince people on Reddit or Twitter that the rich actually buy and inject the blood of the young to gain immortality? would that be an ethical thing to do however it didn't take long into my research before i discovered a fatal flaw in my idea hello how are you pal you got a moment Hi, to... you got a moment to talk
0: yeah yeah i'm just cleaning a trumpet
1: what's the essential maintenance you need to do on a trumpet
0: uh, it's got sticky vowels I've whipped it out because I need to do some live trumpet on the Delightful Sausage podcast and it's just oh. I need to it's too sticky sticky <laughs> in bit
1: right. horrible so you're not busy then no do you remember earlier in the recording you were talking about the rich paying to have the blood of the young injected into them
0: oh Paul Rudd's chalice forbidden chalice yeah yeah
1: I was kind of looking up to see uh, how easily that myth could be spread and seeing like,
0: oh, you were going to do a Reddit post? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But when I was just looking around it to find... You know, when you're trying to make a conspiracy theory, looking around what's plausible around it, what yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what could yeah, be yeah. true? Turns out it's already just 100% completely true that people... <laughs> people already pay what? to have the blood of the young injected into them.
0: What? Inject... Um, yeah,
1: um, America almost exclusively, um, and there are in fact multiple yep. competing companies that have set up <laughs> on this very business model.
0: <laughs> and they've got different USPs. Like one's a bit more free range, but that's more expensive. I think they mainly the one that's pure M M&M and M fed, M M&M M fed kids to give you the sugar high.
1: Do you want to hear some of the uh, company names?
0: Um, sorry, so this is such big business that there is actually. What? Yeah, go on.
1: One is called Ambrosia. <laughs> <laughs> what? But my favourite is the Young Blood Institute. <laughs>
0: That's what, I swear to God, I jokingly said that in the conversation. I was like, I called it the Young Blood Initiative or something. You
1: were very close. Oh my! I mean, I was
0: thinking. I think I just had the Wolfenstein video game. But that... And um, which one would you go with? Which one looks better?
1: Well, the costs. So, how much do you think it might cost to uh, get young blood put in you? Mm,
0: a lot. I reckon it's at least five grand a go.
1: Okay, so the cheapest you can get is Ambrosia's, which is eight grand a pop. <laughs> The most expensive was part of the Maharaj Falloon trial in 2018. All of these things have happened in the last five years. They charged people $285,000. That must be real good blood. Yeah, they must be babies. <laughs>
0: that, that is, yeah, baby Lamborghini baby blood.
1: Yeah, and the FDA, like the um, the Federal Drug Administration, they regulate stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been trying to like push it down, and like they obviously don't want this to happen. But so what they're all trying to do is do clinical trials to prove that it works. But none of them have had like control groups. <laughs> they've all just <laughs> they've all just done ones where they give it to them and then like puff up how much it's helped them. Oh whether it's reducing the- aging or trying to stop Alzheimer's or just trying to make you young it's supposed to do like this real broad effects on you here's here's my two questions, question one do you reckon
0: there is available like an option that just includes the silver so they put, the, they put some silver in the children's blood so you get like a super boost
1: I want bright Second blue question. baby blood
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the best baby blood, premium premium pack and the second question is, how much of the either 8 grand or 250 grand do you think the child whose blood uh, this is is receiving? Like, how much do we think is, is, like, surplus that's just turning into profit?
1: I already have the stat for this. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go. 20 to $50. <laughs> oh,
0: <Lord. laughs> Are you having are you for real?
1: (laughs) That's the range. (laughs) Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. If you want to support the podcast in a non-financial way, please participate in our new ritual of screaming the podcast URL out of your window every evening at 8pm as a sign of respect.